I am on a mission to help organizations drive long-term success and results by implementing an unshakable transformation model. This model puts the employee at the center and works outward to support every aspect of the human experience in the workplace. Welcome to the Human Method Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bond, founder and CEO of the Bond Consulting Group. This podcast is designed to explore incredible guests as experts in a variety of professions and experiences to learn more about the tools that will transform an organization one person at a time. If you are seeking to improve yourself and how you live your life, or an organizational leader seeking to make a larger impact on your company through culture change, then this podcast is for you. If you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can chat with me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. Be sure to subscribe and get easy access to future episodes. Thank you and enjoy today's episode of The Human Method. welcoming our next guest. She is an award-winning industrial and organizational psychologist who is passionate about connecting challenge and compassion, insights and intuition, and faith and fearlessness into the design of talent-based solutions for individuals and organizations. Currently, she serves as the chief solution strategist for Talent Plus, a global HR solutions firm whose mission is to leverage science to help people and organizations discover and develop talent. They create a world where people do what they are good at and enjoy. She also serves on the Forbes HR Council and has led research initiatives for the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber and Women in the Marketplace, a ministry for working women. Prior to her current role, she led talent management for Bon Secours Mercy Health, as well as the people science practice for Macy's Inc. An avid speaker and executive coach, she has presented at national and regional conferences, corporate meetings, universities, and nonprofit events. Her awards include the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology's Distinguished Early Career Contributions Practice Award, Cincinnati's 40 Under 40, and being honored as one of HR's rising stars by Human Resources Executive Magazine and the 10 Most Influential Leaders in HR by Insights Success Magazine. She has earned her PhD in Industrial and Organizational Psychology from Wright State University and currently resides in Northern Kentucky where she loves coffee, bourbon, and Converse Chuck Taylors. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Megan Leisure. Megan, thank you so much for being here. Megan, thank you so much for having me. It's always a great meeting of the minds when there's two Megans involved. I couldn't agree more. And that is why we've kicked this off as our very first episode. It's the double name thing. Perfect. Um, (laughs) Megan, you have had an incredibly illustrious career. And I know you. I know you're just getting started. With that, I want to dive right in. And if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about your current role as Chief Solution Strategist for Talent Plus. Absolutely, Megan. Very eager to share more about that. Uh, Talent Plus is just this amazing company. It is a full-service talent management 
consulting organization. And we do so many amazing things to add value to our clients as individuals, as teams, and as organizations as a whole. And my role is a very unique one that has that science, that IO psychology type of background. However, my focus is very much on a few different things. So first and foremost is our solutions portfolio. What are different tools and solutions and ways that we can add value to clients? How do we round out and emphasize other things that we're doing and other ways that we can leverage our expertise for our clients to help them have the best talent, retain the best talent, and to continue to identify and grow that best talent? In addition, I serve as a thought leader to the organization. Maybe we'll get involved in some new ventures. Maybe we'll do some unique research opportunities, um, some different types of speaking collaborations. So that's really where my role aligns up with the sales and the marketing team. So what are, what are some new sandboxes we can play in is definitely an area that I help us lead. And then lastly, I serve as an ambassador to the organization in terms of helping people know who we are. We have so many great clients, so many tools that we use to, uh, again, really just help our clients be strong, help their individuals be the strongest leaders and individual contributors. And I want to help us get our name out. So um, whether that is through publishing, doing great interviews like we're doing here today, um, just helping to be a great face to bring visibility to a great organization. Wow, Megan, that is wonderful. Thank you for sharing all of that. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot we could break down here. Um, you touch on a lot of things. I know that Talent Plus is involved in a lot of incredible work for helping individuals perform at their best within their organizations. So to keep our focus narrow, I, let's go into this idea of coaching. Um, I know that throughout your career, you have worked yourself as a coach to leaders within the organizations you serve. You've worked externally as a coach with clients. And I'd love to know a little bit more about your definition of coaching as it is something that is becoming so ubiquitous in, in today's time. Megan, that's so interesting that you asked because coaching is such a ubiquitous kind of topic nowadays and, and it's a ubiquitous job. So in terms of how I would define coaching, it's really about helping an individual unlock what they already know about themselves but haven't yet realized and inherently, you help take, you know, the horse to water, but the horse drinks, right? So you are helping somebody unlock their own ideas, their own dreams, and then you're helping them formulate a plan to make that happen and to take those steps to see that plan come to life. So you're not there to tell them what to do. You're not there to be therapy. You're not there to consult you are there to ask them a series of questions to unlock what they already have, the potential they already have, and then you help them formulate their own ideas. I think that's what people get confused about with coaching a lot. They think they're going into a coaching relationship to be told what to do, to be given advice. And, and that may happen every once in a while. A coach can certainly offer, you know, may I make a suggestion or offer an idea, but that's going to be more of the exception than the norm. The coach wants to help you figure it out on your own. And that's really what that coaching relationship should look like and really where the, the best success and the best rewards come out of. 
Absolutely. And Megan, earlier in our talk, you had pre pre interview, you had told me that you have had coaches yourself. And I'm curious, what has the difference between or been between you coaching a client versus someone working with you as a coach? Well, I actually think it's so much harder getting coached because you're put in the situation where you have to answer all the questions. You know, people who aren't used to coaching can can kind of feel like they're being pummeled mm. with just all kinds of open ended questions. Well, what if you looked at it this way? And what, you know, what might be one option to consider if money were no limit, what would be something you would do? There's all kinds of really great questions to really help expand people's minds. But, you know, not every single day, not every single moment, do you have answers to those sorts of questions? And it's a, it's a tough challenge to your brain when we are used Mm. to doing the same things, thinking the same way. So I think it's absolutely harder to be the coachee because you're the one that's being challenged to grow and to think, and you're really being put in a situation to push beyond where you are, which is absolutely the beauty of coaching, but it's hard. It's hard to be asked question after question after question to be unlocking different things. It is a push on your brain. It is a push on your comfortable and familiar thought processes to unlock something new. So absolutely harder to be coached from my perspective, at Mm -hmm. least. I get that. And so it with that disruption or that amount of disruption, do you think that some coaches can go too far with the questions, push too hard um, and turn off a potential coachee? I think they can. I don't necessarily think they mean to. I, you know, I think when you have a coach, a coach is going to have a, all kinds of different questions for different moments, different situations to help get you to the next level of thinking or the next perspective of thinking or whatever it may be. And sometimes coaches are going to ask questions that fall flat. Mm -hmm. And that's where the coach has to realize, okay, you know, maybe this one, the person got stuck, or maybe this one, they didn't interpret it in the way I intended. And that's where the coach has to rebound immediately and say, okay, that one didn't work, you know, pivot, go to the next question And maybe asking something in this way or this angle will trigger something. So, you know, absolutely. There's there's questions that um, can feel more challenging to people. There's questions that, you know, maybe if they weren't able to answer a few and the coach keeps trying some different routes, it can feel a little tough because you're just like, gosh, I've said I don't know five times. Why do you keep asking me different, you know, types of things? And and that's the coach trying to push you to that disruption and that new thought process kind of space. So yeah, sometimes that might not feel good. And and really that that unlocking is what coaching is all about. And there's going to be those moments where a coach is going to try and it is going to fizzle. And then that coach, you know, a strong coach is going to keep going. Think of different ways to, to dig in. And suddenly, hopefully there's that that moment of uh, really just that light bulb going off where those thoughts release and that it doesn't feel like it's pushing too hard anymore because you've triggered Mm. something new and that's what it's all about. That's interesting and good for people to know what to expect, that there may be a a significant level of discomfort to get to an aha moment. So with all of these questions, where does that ultimately lead? And I guess where I'm going is what is the benefit or some of the benefits of a coaching relationship to the coachee? 
I mean, ultimately, it's all about helping an individual use their potential, use their own brain, use their own ideas to accomplish a goal, help them identify what they're seeking, turn that into a goal, and then help them lock ideas to really figure out how they can get there. Mm -hmm. So you're really focusing on questions that empower them to focus on that goal and turn it into some bite-sized actionable steps that they can be moving in that direction. And maybe it's something more concrete, like getting a job or getting a promotion, or maybe it's something a a little less tangible, like um, being a, being a more confident leader. Uh, And so in terms of the benefits, it's, it's the self-awareness that you can come up with these ideas and plans on your own, that you're owning your ideas because you came up with them, that you're owning your goals and your action steps because they were yours. That's why the coach wants mm-hmm. to unlock these things in people because it, they, they become accountable for it. They own them. And people are much more likely to drive towards these outcomes when they mapped everything out and really just built that beauty on their own. And, you know, this is interesting. I, I know people that, you know, I personally have a coach and I know people that have worked with the same coach for six years. So I'm, I'm curious when we talk about, you know, maybe you're driving toward a goal or something more ambiguous, like to be a stronger, stronger leader, whatever that may look like. Um, do you typically only work on one thing at a time with a coach or is it, could you work with a coach on a, a holistic transformation? What would you advise people to, to seek out in, in this relationship? Megan, that's a great question. I think that the research is pretty clear that um, smaller, measurable, concrete goals are definitely the way to go. Now, how many of those can you handle at a time? I think it's a great idea to have uh, maybe two to three goals at the same time in a coaching relationship. That's my perspective. I'm sure there's coaches out there that that might disagree with that. But, you know, our, our lives are very hectic and very different day to day. And sometimes you can get on a conversation um, in a coaching conversation with a client and maybe nothing has transpired in one particular goal. Or maybe they just haven't had the ability schedule wise or access wise or calendar wise um, to work on something. Well, it gives you something else to talk about. And maybe, you know, one of the three goals was a really hot topic one week because of something that happened. And I think it gives some flexibility in the conversation. It gives some flexibility in the natural routines of life and work where you're going to have time and opportunities to jump in on some things and, you know, maybe, maybe building towards other goals, those moments or those opportunities to work on those things don't present themselves as often. So I love to have a few Mm -hmm. um, because some days your client might come to the call and something really powerful or recent might've happened and they want to dig into Mm -hmm. that. And maybe that's only one of the three goals. And you say, okay, well, we focused on this this time. Let's put some efforts into this other thing since we didn't tap into it much this week. So I love to have a few. I feel like it gives more flexibility for the the client and the coach. And it gives you a few more things to strive for. But I certainly wouldn't have a laundry list. I feel like two to three is a good list. 
what is that filtration system? What should people be looking for when, when they're searching for that, that perfect coach for them or, or for their organization? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough question. So there's a lot of organizations that have coaching programs nowadays. And there's a lot of people that are coaches in different styles from different programs in different ways. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of things to think about when you are finding a coach. And ultimately, if you are an individual and you are seeking an executive coach for yourself, you know, asking, how does this coach work? What would a session be like with you? How would you challenge me? What would, what would their leadership style be like? What is their communication style like? You know, there, there's, there's different types of coach in terms, coaching in terms of how people, um, how you push someone. Um, is it a gentle suggestion is it more of that candid, transparent kind of smack in the face? Like, do you want someone to call you out on things? Do you want someone to have a more gentle approach? Um, you know, there's there's different types of approaches for different people. So there's a lot of chemistry matters. Mm. And it's very similar in terms of um, finding other types of advisors in your life, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a therapist, there's lots of situations where chemistry does make a difference and the style of how somebody communicates. Mm. So when you have an initial conversation with the person, are they asking you questions about your work and your life that feel relevant to you? You know, are they, are they asking questions that are way in the weeds and you're wondering why they're going there? Are they asking questions that are way in the clouds and you're like, whoa, 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 let's talk some specifics. You know, there's scope differences too. Um, another thing that, that I think is important to go into it when you're seeking a coach is to understand, are, you, are we just talking about business or are we also going to integrate the whole life into this? So this isn't me saying, oh, I want to be your therapist and your coach, or I want to be your life coach and your business coach. None of that. Mm -hmm. But but in executive work-focused coaching, there are definitely intersections, as we are all human, where your personal life outside of the office can and will weave into aspects of your work self. So for example, I had mentioned something before about leadership confidence. Where are other aspects in your life where confidence might be a challenge for you? Are there, you know, maybe maybe you're a volunteer or maybe you are involved in local politics or something else where you are killing it and you are a rock star and you are super confident. Well, let's talk about that and how we transfer that over. Mm. So some people are all about those intersections and weaving those aspects of life together. That's something that I like to do as a coach. But there are some people who are really not into that. And that's OK. Everybody's different. So if somebody just wants to keep it in the parameters of work and, you know, not think about the influences into um, other aspects or discuss other aspects, that's fine. Um, you know, we all have boundaries in terms of what we want to share, how much, and those kinds of things are really important in finding a coach too. What, you know, are there topics that are off limits, on limits, mm. um, all of those different aspects. So, um, you know, as you think about those initial meetings, are there any red flags that pop up? 
are, you know, are, are there ways where they have had a lot of success in helping their clients be more self-aware? Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many different situations that people can think about, and it might take you a few attempts. You might start off with a coach or have a couple of sessions and you're just not feeling it. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can find another coach. It's, you know, you shouldn't keep going down that line if it doesn't feel like the right fit for you. And so I just, you know, advocate for everybody in terms of, you know, it's not just the qualification, but it's Mm. also, you know, does the conversation flow? Does it feel relevant? Does it feel like the right scope and level of detail? Are they incorporating all the aspects of my life and my work that I want them to and so on? Wow. That was a lot. (laughs) No, that was a wonderful depiction, though. I mean, you, I am certain you've answered a lot of people's questions about, um, you know, how to find the right coach. And it it sounds like the majority of that is listening to your gut, following your instincts, finding someone who is a perfect match for you and your personality rather than a specific set of qualifications. Um, Would you say that that there maybe are, you know, if you could say there are three things that a coach should absolutely not do um, as as a process of elimination that that people can note right off the bat and say, okay, this is not something I should move forward with. Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, there, there shouldn't be conversation that goes to a place of therapy. There should not be any questions about um, mental health, mm. mental challenges, things of the sort. Mm. Um, that, that's definitely off limits. Those are the types of things that are only appropriate for a licensed psychologist and definitely not not something for a coach. Um, secondly, in terms of coaching, there's a lot of confidentiality that needs to be upheld. So if there's any type of situation where you're worried the coach is going to breach confidentiality, that is a, is a huge one to be worried about. Um, sometimes organizations secure coaches mm. Um, external coaches to help with a few different folks inside the organization. So an external coach, like like we are at Talent Plus, could get brought in and maybe I have two or three people within a client organization. I've got to be careful to not have cross conversations and to keep everything confidential with my individual Mm. um, coaching clients in that situation. So any sort of hint of breaching confidentiality, is definitely, definitely a a red flag for a coaching situation. And then, you know, the the last one I would say is a coach that doesn't build you up. A a coach that has, you know, really a negative attitude and, and helps you feel stuck versus helps you feel like you are empowered and gonna accomplish you know, whatever it is you want to accomplish and then some, if, if, if your coach just, you know, if, if that experience makes you feel like you're being beat down and you get off the phone and you feel terrible, Mm -hmm. that is not the right coach. Um, a coach should always make you feel amazing when you get off the phone that you, you have all these ideas in your head that you never knew was there. And this person just unlocked such amazement in you. And if you don't feel that, and it, honestly, if you feel quite the opposite, that's a really bad sign. 
Megan, why, if, if an organization is struggling with budget and they're trying to determine, you know, what to spend money on, and coaching is maybe something they're considering, what mm-hmm. value would coaching bring to that organization? What would the benefit of that investment be? There are so many benefits to coaching. And I think the, the first and foremost in terms of budget allocation is trying to understand what are you trying to accomplish with with your your leaders first. So just the thought of entering into coaching because, oh, doesn't that sound nice? Everyone should have a coach. That's not the way to allocate um, budget and to make a case for uh, perhaps a shrinking budget to be allocated to, to such an activity. So in terms of some clear goals, coaching could be a really great solution to ensuring some organizational goals. Like maybe there are a few leaders where they are a hot commodity and you wanna make sure to retain those people in your organization and you wanna support those individuals to be the strongest leaders they can be at your organization. So if it's a retention tool, Mm -hmm. absolutely coaching is a great, a really, really great type of opportunity. If there is a succession plan in place where maybe you are getting a leader ready for a promotional move, maybe a really big lateral move to take on a completely different team, lead a completely different function, those are some really giant transitions that require thinking differently and acting differently. And when you get to those higher levels, it can be a little lonely at the top in terms of having someone to confide in and help push you and have that safe space to explore and grow some new ideas. That's a great example for helping to prepare somebody for a very successful transition. Um, It can also be really great for ramp up, for onboarding. You know, maybe somebody is coming into a position in an organization and perhaps the person who was there, you know, there before them, the team, maybe, maybe the team wasn't left in a great place. Maybe they missed their leader or maybe their leader wasn't so great and they're, they're really craving that strong leadership and you want to give that incoming person the extra support to set him or herself and that team up for some incredible success. That's a great opportunity for coaching. So with those types of specific goals, Mm -hmm. we want to help an individual accomplish something bigger, better, faster, differently, more efficiently, whatever the case may be. Those very specific situations are the perfect types of ones to really say, hey, this is where a coach can add very specific goal-driven value, and it is absolutely worth the budget for these specific Mm. needs. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. And I love what you said in the beginning that the organization first needs to assess what are we trying to solve for? Mm -hmm. I think that that's so often missed. People, to your point, jump into the enthusiasm or the idea of something without really having a a key accomplishment or goal in Mm -hmm. mind. And I think that when organizations have this answer of what are we trying to solve for, that actually helps decide of all the groups you listed, which groups to actually have coached, who Mm -hmm. to bring in. 
Um, and maybe even takes us right into, you know, the selection process. What, what types of coaches are we looking for based on these groups? So I think that's all really helpful. And, and Meg, once people have brought in a coach or a group of coaches, how do you recommend organizations manage that, that coaching process once, once the coaches are within the company? Right. That's, you know, you're really moving into a place of ensuring seamless communication. It goes very much into project management and workflow at this point in time. And these are big, big opportunities to make sure that we are communicating what the purpose is, what the purpose isn't, Mm. and setting these individuals up for success and being clear what those boundaries are throughout that process. So in terms of managing that coaching process, one of the very key things that we advocate for at Talent Plus is that they are always taking one of our scientifically validated assessments as a part of that coaching. So you blend that great coaching expertise with one of those scientifically validated assessments that's all designed to help people learn about their top talents. What a great resource to have for the coach to know a little bit more about that person. And what a great resource for the coach and that coachee to lean in on and be able to say, hey, these are the things that are just your true natural talents that you're really good at. You probably enjoy doing these things. So let's use those as the key tools in our toolbox. So that's a big thing from a process standpoint that we would start off with. We also love to do pre-coaching surveys. Um, Nothing intense, nothing heavy. We just ask for the person who's going to be coached and perhaps their leader. So we're, we're asking some questions in terms of, have you had a coach before? What was it like? What did you get out of it? What do you think, you know, you want to work on um, the, the top areas that are top of mind for you? And, and sometimes the leader and the, the coachee agree, and sometimes they don't. It helps you understand mm-hmm. if the, the organization or the leader mindset might be a little different for what that individual wants. So um, that process step is not meant to be a heavy one. It's meant to be a light one to really, truly understand and manage expectations. And then being sure to have that dialogue up front with the manager, maybe there's a senior sponsor, as well as the individuals getting coached to say, this is what the coaching engagement's gonna look like. Maybe it's six months and we meet every other week or once a month. And how are we gonna manage expectations? What does confidentiality look like? Who's allowed to share? Who's not? If we get a question we're not comfortable answering, what do we do with it? So if you think in terms of how to set those expectations and to understand whose points of view matter, it really helps you build out a strong communication plan that ultimately turns into managing that coaching engagement in a true project management mindset. Mm. And how does the coaching selection or engagement process usually look in terms of 
Um, do you hear from organizational leaders saying we want to bring in coaches to help this group of people? Do people typically raise their hand and say, hey, I'd really like a coach. Can you support me with this? How did those conversations take place? Because I, I do wonder, listening to, to what you're sharing, that there could be a disconnect if leaders want to bring in a coach for one of their employees and they haven't clearly communicated the why to that employee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you bring that up, Megan, because, it, you know, it, it's a push pull strategy kind of situation. So both of those definitely happen. So if we're working with our clients on, you know, any other topic and we hear them talk about, oh, you know, one of my peers is struggling with something or, um, you know, our um, COO just got announced as the successor to the CEO or we have a group of individual contributors that are about to become, you know, managers for the first time. There's lots of moments where for those of us who have expertise in coaching, we totally know like, like ding ding that's a really great opportunity a very specific situation where a coach can help and so when we hear those kinds of things come up which quite often can be like just just random comments in other you know other topic conversations we will suggest that we will you know go for that push strategy and say hey that you know we've had a lot of success in the past in that exact situation you talked about have you ever considered a coach? Is that something that, that you all have utilized in your organization? And we'll open that dialogue from a push strategy standpoint. But in addition, we have folks that raise their hands and mm -hmm. say, oh my goodness, our entire leadership team is different. Or we just restructured our organization and, and we need to you know, set the leaders and the new teams up for success. We need some help. Uh, you know, we hear a lot of those kinds of things, too. So it absolutely happens from both perspectives. And, you know, in terms of folks who, who know coaching, um, we know how to listen for those right moments where we know a coach can help. But also, there's lots of people within organizations who have had coaches in the past or who have worked with coaches in other aspects in the past. You know, maybe they helped implement a coaching program in their own company. Those folks know the value of coaching as well. So that's when those individuals and companies will raise their hand and come to us and say, hey, we need help because we already know that a coach is going to help in this kind of thing. Mm. So it happens both ways and we love it either way. It, and what do you think the value is of someone who maybe isn't getting that coaching support from their organization um, in them going out and hiring their own coach? What would the benefits of that be? And I think a lot of people weigh out, you know, is this something I really want to invest, you know, my own money in? That's, I think that is becoming more and more popular. And I personally love it. I feel like it's, you know, you're not under the umbrella or the or the guidance or the guardrails or the budget of your organization. And, you know, you can you can do what you want with it, if, if you will. There's no there's no guardrails on it. So I think, uh, again, just like coaching within an organization, you need to have a very specific goal. It's not just kind of the thing where you're going to be like, oh, a coach sounds fun. It's best impact is always found with a specific need and you are in the place where you can address that need. The timing is right. I can allocate the time. 
I can allocate my thinking. I can try new activities. I can try new behaviors. People are more likely to invest in coaching because they think they're really going to get something out of it. And they have to be in that personal space where they can take it on. If, if they can't commit to trying new things, if they can't, you know, even formulate the action plan to, you know, move towards a goal because they're so overwhelmed right now, don't spend the money on it. It's not worth it for anybody. Mm. It's not worth it for you, for the coach. It's not worth it for you from a budget standpoint, personally, but you have to be ready to put in the time. You have to come to the table with clear goals and a plan, and you have to be able to say, coach, this is what I need, and I'm willing and able to commit to it, and I need your help. That's the best scenario for an individual to have success if they're going to bring on a coach on the side. And, you know, quite often this does happen in situations where maybe people are thinking about a a career change or, um, you know, perhaps what is their second act or are they ready to retire? It's pretty popular in those kind of situations. Um, But it also can be in different types of things like, you know, I want to try for a leadership position and I don't know if my organization would take me seriously. Help me build up some leadership skills. Mm-hmm. Could be things like that too. So I think it's a great idea, but only if you have that specific goal in mind and the timing is right for you to fully commit. And I think that now that we've gone so deep into the coaching space, I want to pull us out a little and move through this idea of conscious conscious leadership. So once you've started, you've, you know, you have the coach involved, whether it's an individual or, or an organization, you're doing that great work, you're, you're starting to have these um, epiphany moments. What are some key measurables that that an organization or a person can look at and say, okay, this coaching is working? Yeah. So this is definitely the million dollar question, because there there are so many different things that influence human behavior and taking on new ideas and new goals and new practices. And it's one of those things that we can always measure, but nothing operates in a vacuum. So there's a lot of tools out there that can help tease a part out of it to help gain some insights. But, but so far there is no secret sauce to figure out all of it. Everything is a proxy Everything has noise in the data, but everything is going to give you a little piece of insight to understand where that person started, where they have been going, Mm -hmm. and where they are in the current state of that engagement and of that goal that they are shooting towards. So when you think about it, uh, there are assessment tools out there that are 360 assessments, Those are great tools because you get perspectives of multiple people. You could do a 360 at the beginning of a coaching engagement, and you could do it, say, six months later to see if um, ratings have evolved in anything, if comments have changed in anything in particular. That's a great opportunity. Again, not a perfect opportunity, but there's always going to be some noise in the data, but what great information you could learn And in that second time that you do that 360, you could add in some extra questions 
about those goals that that individual is working on to dig in a little bit deeper to help understand. So that's one option. Mm -hmm. Another option would be to take a look at objective performance metrics that that individual might have. Maybe they are a salesperson. Maybe they are in a call center and there's call audit data. Whatever their job is, there could be objective performance information. And where was it when they started versus where is it you know, six months later or at a different checkpoint in the coaching engagement. You know, if the coaching wasn't directly focusing on their job performance, it's absolutely a proxy. It's one indicator. It's one insight. But it's still a great piece of information for you to gain some understanding. So those are a couple of different options. One a little more on the, the, the qualitative side, one a little more on the quantitative side. Um, you can also design some great surveys in terms of pre-coaching versus post-coaching in terms of development and growth. How does that individual attribute their own change to the coaching? And you could ask those same types of questions about um, of that leader of the individual. So you could get more specific in terms of how they attribute the coaching has helped them. So there's a lot of different ways to tackle it, but um, nothing is going to happen in a vacuum. And each piece helps you learn a little bit more about how the individual has changed. But at this point in time, that that's still a million dollar question out there in terms of um, what, you know, what is that perfect recipe to understand point A to point B in terms of coaching? Beyond coaching, what do you predict the future of personal development to look like? That's a great question. I think personal development is going to be so much more individually driven than ever before. It's not that mentality of my organization wants me to do this, or there is some sort of cohort that's going to do that. There are learning opportunities everywhere. And what we have certainly learned from the COVID pandemic is that they can pop up virtually anywhere and everywhere, and they can be free and they can be amazing. And you can learn in so many ways, and you can be sitting at home in your pajamas doing it. And so really people driving their own interest towards what they want to learn versus being pushed mm. towards perhaps what they should learn or what the organization thinks they should learn. I, I think uh, the virtual nature of everything nowadays has just blown up learning in the best way. And it is time for people to own it, to drive it. And to just be excited about it more so than ever before, instead of waiting to be handheld and guided and told, this is what you need to do because we said so. Mm, I love that. And I really hope that that is our future. Megan, last question. If you could have one question answered, what would it be? Ooh. You know, since we're on the coaching front, I'm, I've got, you know, talent and, and people in my head. I would just love to know the number one thing to identify a high potential person accurately. I feel like, you know, in terms of organizations, if you knew the one thing that would signal that person's a high potential, 
and that thing would ring true in every single person, it would change the space of talent management. It would change the space of assessment. It, it would change the focus of what we talk about from day to day. If it was one thing and it was the same in everybody, I think it would change the world. And I would be so excited to see what it is. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Megan. So excited to be here and have a meeting of the Megan Minds. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Human Method Podcast. I am Megan Bond, and if you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can reach me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. I also want to thank Ayla Zimmerman for design and promotion of not just the human method, but our Bond Consulting Group site as well. She is a kick-ass designer, so please check out our site at thebondconsultinggroup.com. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive great content from us. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme for the show, as always, is to be a little bit better each day. So remember, be better today.